We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us today. You come to be with us, and you speak to us as only you can, and so we open our hearts to that. May you talk to us about what it means to follow you. May you help us to learn and understand what you want us to do in our life, to how we live in a way that will honor you, come close to you. We ask for this in Jesus' name, amen. So there was a little boy years ago, this is an old time, who was riding a trolley, and an old electric trolley, the ones that were the wires up above, and someone was questioning me from early service about these, and in the early days, there was a mechanism that was later refined, so you're gonna go check the history on this. In the early days, there was a method to control the, the power coming into this electric engine. And this boy was sitting on the trolley and he was watching the engineer, watching the, the person conducting, and he was trying to figure out how did it go fast at some times and slow at others, even though the wire was connected the same all the time. And the conductor showed him how it worked. There was a, a grip that he had, and when he would squeeze the grip more, the, the attachment to the wire would make greater contact to the wire, allowing more flow of electricity through the wire to the engine. And if he would relax the grip, it would lighten the touch, causing there to be less contact, and then slowing the flow, creating a slower motion forward. It's very interesting. The boy really thought about this, and I think there's a lesson there for us because the tighter the grip, the faster it would go. There would be more power to the engine of the trolley. The lighter the grip, the, the smoother and slower it would go. Now, the optimal thing for the electric trolley is to have just the right grip that it doesn't like go so fast that it's awkward and crazy around corners, but just fast enough that it created a smooth ride. So it was quite an art to have just the right grip. There's a phrase that they used for having just the right amount of grip. It was called skimming the wire. Just enough to be able to have a smooth sliding through with that wire connecting to the engine. And I ask myself, I wonder, when we connect to the power of Jesus in our life, when we choose to be followers of Jesus, do we grip all the way? Or do we just use a slight grip, a smooth grip, so that we can skim the wire? Meaning, do we grab hold of Jesus for everything and go all in? Or do we just have just enough Jesus for an easy ride? a smooth ride, just to be comfortable in our faith with Jesus. Jesus talks to us about what it takes to follow him. And I'm going to read today from a passage that's sometimes a little difficult. But I want you to think today as we go through this, are you gripping or slipping? Is your experience with God gripping tightly for power or slightly to just skim the wire. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Now Jesus had just felt, finished telling a story, a parable. He had just finished telling a story about 
a master of the household who had planned for a large banquet. And he invited his friends to come to this banquet. He sent out invitations to all of his friends. And all of his friends were responding with excuses as to why they couldn't come. And because he had prepared this great feast and this great meal, and no one was showing up because they all had excuses, Jesus told his servants, go and invite everybody. Just bring in the people from the street because those people aren't coming, so I'm going to invite everybody. The point is that Jesus was telling a parable about how sometimes the people who claim to be the closest are not always close. But the door is open for everyone, and I'm bringing everyone in. And then he tells this explanation of what it means to be a disciple that sounds like it could be hard, but keep in mind that it's in the context of the open door that he had just told them about. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, as this is common. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, this is a difficult passage, and most people don't like to preach about it because it's kind of challenging to talk about. Because how could Jesus be telling his disciples to hate all of their family members? So let's put it in the context. Jesus wants these disciples, the people who are listening to him, to make a decision, to make a choice about what they love the most. And in their day, in that culture, in that place where Jesus is talking to these people, they didn't have a lot of possessions. They didn't have cars and houses and lots of things. In fact, if they were really wealthy, they might have a donkey, but most didn't have a donkey. They didn't have chariots. They didn't have horses. Maybe they had a donkey, but most had nothing. Most of them lived in order to be able to eat and catch the food that they were going to eat. Maybe they had a few goats or some sheep. But these were not wealthy people. And so they didn't have possessions to have to choose between their possessions and Jesus. What they did have was family. They didn't even really have homes that you would think of like today. You didn't have the people of the day buying and selling houses and living in their fifth house in their lifetime. Most of them, if they had a house, a stone building, whether in the country or in a town, most of them, the house they had was probably a family house that had been around for a while. So they might move because of war or other reasons that came around, but they were not in the habit of buying and selling homes and moving around because they didn't have those kinds of possessions, but they had family. So the one thing that they depended on and they were considered important in their life is the the relationships they had with the people who they lived with. It was their mother and their father their sister and their brother, the only people they could turn to when they had challenges and problems in their life. They had family. But Jesus still wants to know, and he's asking this question, who do you love most? 
Because if you can't love me most, I don't know how you'll be able to be my disciple. If you love your career more than me, if you love your car more than me, if you even love yourself more than me, I don't know how you will be able to be my disciple. So he asked people, will they be willing to love Jesus the most? Will they make that choice? Who do you love? And then Jesus goes on and says, suppose that one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? And for he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Have you seen this happen before? I've seen it happen so many times. It's, um, it does seem strange when it happens. Somebody starts a house, doesn't finish. Uh, not far from here, there's a business that was being built just before COVID, and they finished the building and nothing ever happened. Nobody moved in. Now, maybe COVID gave good reason for that. I get that. So maybe not so much ridicule, but not far from here, there's a pretty tall tower near I-4. I know you all were thinking about it because everybody thought the same thing. Well, what are they doing there? Why don't they just finish it, you know? Uh, it looks funny, doesn't it? And yet, what happens if that's how we treat our life in Jesus? How, how is it that we may start well to follow Jesus and yet not be committed to finish? Because it's not the starting where the victory is gained. Uh, you know, I've seen people who, who will start great with fireworks and great celebration as they choose to follow Jesus, and then a few years later I see them and found out that problems that are real come along and they got discouraged, they got distracted, they lost their way, and they're no longer with Jesus. You see, finishing is not in the groundbreaking. Finishing is not in the celebration of beginning. Finishing is having the endurance and the persistence and the commitment to say that I don't know what will come because probably many things will come. But in spite of those things that will come, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And I'm going to stay with him no matter what may happen. Because we have to be truthful about it up front that following Jesus is not an easy path. It's very easy to drift. It's easy to get discouraged and quit. Your faith will be tested on this journey. And maybe it will be tested publicly, maybe it will be tested privately, but the question that Jesus is asking this, what will you do to remain with me? Will you follow me to the end? Having a great beginning is wonderful, but a beginning without a purpose and a plan to go to the end loses all of its value. So Jesus wants to be honest with you. I hope that you love me first, he says. I hope that you're choosing me above every other, including selfishness towards yourself. 
but I don't want you to do it just today. I want eternity with you, so I want you to be with me. I want you to follow me. I will help you. I will guide you. I will live for you if you'll live for me. Plan to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Now you think, what does this have to do with it? Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? And if he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. And in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So let's try to help you understand what's happening with this king. The people he was talking to understood this really well. In those days, the king was a city king or a territory king. It was a king over a small area or even a city itself. And the king who was not far away, maybe walking distance, may be a larger king with more people, more army. And what he's trying to help us understand is that if you're the king with 10,000, and the king with 20,000 is coming your direction with his army, you probably don't wanna just sit back and wait and see what happens. Because you're going to lose, and not only are you gonna lose your kingship, but all your people are gonna be harmed in the process. The whole city, the whole territory will lose. So a wise king doesn't wait to see what's gonna happen and lose. A wise king makes a sacrifice. A wise king goes out before the army gets there and says, let's find some agreement. Let's negotiate here. And what does he do? He negotiates terms of peace, and that simply means that he offers something that that king wants so that his city will survive. That means he's probably going to give a bunch of goats, a bunch of cattle, a bunch of gold, a bunch of silver. He's going to come to an agreement about a bunch of things, something that he can offer the more powerful king in order to save his people and save his city. He will personally make sacrifice to do the right thing so that his kingdom survives and becomes first. So Jesus is saying, when we are in this life with Jesus, when we are disciples of his, we might need to stop and look. And if we want our walk with him to survive, we wanna make it to the finish, we might have to make sacrifices. So the question is, what will you let go? What will you let go of if it's going to get in the way? Including your pride in order to serve Jesus and his kingdom. Now, I can't tell you what might be in the way for you. You think it differs a lot from person to person. But it's so easy for things to get in the way. It's so easy for either our possessions or our attitudes or something in our past, maybe something in our present to become an obstacle for us to have some reason why we think it's just too hard to follow Jesus. I think this thing is too big. And Jesus says, be like the wise king. Let it go. Be willing to let go of whatever it may be 
so that you can make me first. Be willing to let go of whatever it may be so that you will finish well. So that you make the sacrifice that's necessary, but you will stay faithful to me. Last part. Verse 34. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? For it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you listening? Are you listening to what Jesus is trying to say here about the salt? In other words, if you are not who you claim to be, salty, if you are not salty salt, then your influence becomes of no value as unsalty disciples of Jesus. So are you a disciple who fully is engaged, who is all in for Jesus, who is embracing what it means to follow him, listen to him, seek his guidance, trust his purpose and put your faith in him day by day, no matter what the obstacles may come, no matter what the things are that would seek your attention or distract you from him, that somehow through all of the ups and downs, we stay on track and plan to finish with him and sacrifice those things that would keep us from being able to make that finish. So will you be salty salt? So it comes back to this trolley. Are you here for just an easy ride? Just to follow Jesus enough that make life smooth? Or are we all in so that we can engage him in who he is and what he has done? See, I find it interesting that Jesus applied these three principles to his own life. Jesus chose, before he came to the earth, he chose what he loved most and willing to give up all of heaven because he loved you most. And he determined that no matter how difficult it might become, and it did become difficult, he determined that he would finish no matter what, no matter how discouraged it could be because of the disciples and their behaviors and their uh, misunderstandings, and no matter how difficult because the Jews were against him and the Roman Empire was against him and he ran into obstacles that we don't even understand, dealing with the temptation of the enemy in the wilderness directly, full attention. Over and over again, Jesus dealt with all these things that could have caused him to say, you know, it's not worth it, I'm going back. But he decided that he loved us most. Because he loved us so much, he was gonna go to the end no matter what the cost. And in the end, sacrificed everything to be faithful to us, the ultimate sacrifice. So what will you do today? Will you choose today what you love most? Will you determine to finish no matter what? Will you make whatever sacrifice the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life for those things that stand in the way? 
How is it? Are you gripping tightly to Jesus for all of his strength and power in your life? Or are you slipping, letting your faith become a casual convenience just enough to make it look good and feel good? Just enough, Jesus, but not too much to disrupt. Not too much to make life uneasy. Well, you know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus was not a casual savior. That Jesus didn't come into this world to do just what would look good, just what would feel good. Jesus came to fully love us and cost everything to be able to love us from his heart. He loved us most. He endured even to the cross for us and made the final sacrifice. So how do you choose today? Are you all in for Jesus?